Welcome back to the Father Daughter Book Club. I'm Kalia the Daughter. And I am the Father. You can call me Mr. Peoples. Not Chris. You can call me Chris too. That's fine. <laughs> you can't call me that. You call me Dad though. I know. Alright. But, first of all, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Yeah, that's what? right. I mean, Happy New Year, Merry Christmas. Did we miss Thanksgiving too? Happy Thanksgiving if we did. It's been a while <laughs> since we've posted an episode. Um, We've just been very busy, especially because of the holidays and school is towards the end of the yeah, year. Yeah, the end of the year was a mad scramble. <laughs> and then at the beginning of the year, I got sick, like real sick. And you had the flu really badly and yeah. very contagious. So and I still have a little bit of a cough, so apologies. If you hear me coughing throughout this episode or try to clear my throat, we'll try to or, minimize those, but yeah, you know, it might still happen. So I apologize for that. But or hey. if like you're not talking as much because you're probably on chewing on a cough drop to not cough as much. But, you know, got to do what you got to do. Right. And... Another thing is that this is the one year of our podcast anniversary. We started in... Because yeah. we took a long break there during the holidays, we actually missed our one year anniversary. We started in December, like at the end of December. In our 2016. First, our first podcast posted at the end of December in 2016. So now it's 2018, which means we've been doing this thing for over a year. How does it feel, Kalia, to, to be doing this for a year? It feels really cool that we've actually committed to this, and right. it's not just something that we have an idea, and then we do it, and then we just forget about it. Yeah, we've had to, I think, dial down the frequency with which we record episodes, because I think we at first were going to try to do it every week, yeah. and it just it was just too much it didn't work. for us. So, yeah, it didn't work for our schedule, so now we kind of do it every... At least a month. Yeah, we try to go every other week. Um, sometimes we go once a month, and sometimes, like now, you know, it's been, I think, almost two months since our last episode. Maybe even three. But it's just been very busy towards the end of the year. and So we do apologize for the, the infrequency that we've been posting episodes, but we hope you have stuck with us and that you'll continue to listen and, and enjoy the books that we share with you. So... Today, we are going to be discussing The Girl from Everywhere by Heidi Heilig. And this book is actually very interesting because the author is actually from Hawaii, which is the main place where this right. book so takes place. Before we get into the specifics of the book, though, we have to remind you... There will always be spoilers. So, please, if you haven't finished The Girl from Everywhere... You should have. It's been a long time since we announced that we we're going to read this next. <laughs> but if you haven't, that's okay. Just pause. Press pause right now on the podcast and go finish reading the book. We're not going to go anywhere. We promise. We'll wait for you. And, you know, I don't understand why you wouldn't have. But if you didn't finish it, that's okay. That's very right. fine. And when it's you're done, fine. When you're done reading, just come back, press play, and join our discussion. This book was published in February 16th, 2016. And as you mentioned, I think it's kind of important to note a couple of facts about Heidi Helig. Helig? I, don't I think know. it's Heilig. Heilig. Heidi Heilig. Okay. Um, the book 
takes place in Hawaii and our main character is Hawaiian and so is Heidi Heilig who grew up she grew up in Hawaii and also spent uh, some time living in New York where another main character is from and part of the book takes place in New York so it's important I think to kind of get that background because I think that's the reason why Heidi chose those settings because that's where she's from mm -hmm. so let's get on to the synopsis so this synopsis that we have is actually from the book jacket. And yep. it says, Nix has spent her entire life aboard her father's ship, sailing across the centuries, across the world, across myth and imagination. Time travel. As long as her father has a map for it, he can sail to any time, any place, real or imagined. 19th century China, the land from 1001 Nights, a mythic version of Africa. Along the way, they have found a few crewmates and friends, and even a disarming thief who could come to mean much more to Nix. But the end to it all looms closer every day. Her father is obsessed with obtaining the one map, 1868 Honolulu, that could take him back to his lost love, Nix's mother. Even though getting it and going there could erase Nix's very existence. For the first time, Nix is entering unknown waters. She could find herself find her family, find her own fantastical ability, her own epic love, or she could disappear. Ooh. <laughs> and so that's pretty much the tension in this book, right, is the fact that the crew has a goal to get to 1868 Honolulu, but we don't know what that might mean for our protagonist, Nyx, because it could, due to... Uh, Let's say like time travel paradoxes, right? If they yeah. go back to a time before Nyx existed. It could erase her entirely. And they change and they change that history. It could erase her entire right. It's kinda like you haven't seen this movie, but it it's very reminiscent of this movie called Back to the Future. Actually I have. You've seen it? I actually have. Ooh, okay. So do you know what I mean? How <laughs> Yeah. Right. So it, just like in in the movie Back to the Future where um Marty McFly, he has a picture of him and his siblings in the future. He time travels back in time. And as a result of some of the things that he does in the past, all of a sudden the people in the picture start to disappear because his actions are causing the, a, a change in the future. Also, it's similar to Flash. What's Flash? The TV show. Oh, The Flash. The Flash, the TV show, where, because he's... Flash is a superhero and he can run super fast. And sometimes he travels back in time and to try and fix things. And then it ends up changing a whole other and makes something even right. worse could happen. Right. So this whole time travel business, they don't really get into the mechanics of it in this book. But they do emphasize that it could have dire um, consequences for our hero. Yes. And you like a lot of these types of books. <laughs> I like time travel stuff, but see, this book is interesting in the way that it, it presents time travel. Mm -hmm. It seems like time travel is more of a side thing. It's a side effect of what they do. And so let's kind of explain what they do. Nyx is a crew member on her father's ship. The Temptation. And her father is what's called a navigator with a capital N. And so he has this special ability, which they don't really explain too I much kind of know. how he got it. Well, it did. It sh 
Like, he doesn't have to use the ship, but it's easier to use the ship. Well, they explained, like, his the first time he used this power. But they didn't really explain how come he has it. No. Um, you know, where it comes from or anything like that. And Nyx also has the same power. Right. Which basically allows them to go to any place, any time, that's depicted on a map. As long as they can see it and they believe in it, they can transport themselves. And in the case of uh, the crew, they you know, the Nix's father, Slate, transports the entire ship with him when he goes to these locations on maps. Mm-hmm. And so that gives you a bit why how he's able to go to these different places. And so Nix is in an interesting position because... His his father ended up falling in love with the woman in Hawaii. Um, obviously, she got pregnant. <laughs> and I guess the way they explain it is that Slate, at that point, decided to go sailing. To try and get a better life for them. I guess, yeah, to try and get more money or something like yeah. that. And so that way they could live in a nice house and a nice building and <coughs> and live... A nice life. But unfortunately for him, by the time he makes it back to Hawaii, Nyx has been born, but her her mom passed away. Which is very sad. Extremely sad. So Slate ends up taking Nyx with him on the ship, and pretty much ever since that moment, they've been searching for a way to save her mother. Basically, she died of, I don't know, did they ever really describe how uh, what she died of? No, I don't. She had some no. sort of illness. When um, I think it was after she gave birth to Nyx, she probably died. Yes, yeah, so or she, during the birth, during birth, or something like that, or maybe shortly after. So she had some sort of illness, and so they they go around looking for cures that they can take back to that point in time. And at this point, Nyx is what sixteen. Yeah. So they've pretty much been doing this for sixteen years. And they've tried uh, several times to go back to 1868 Hawaii. But every map that he gets to go back to that time always never works. And so this the majority of the book takes place actually in 1884 Hawaii. And the reason why they end up in 1884 Hawaii is because they get a map that is misdated. Mm-hmm. And they try they try to go back to 1868. It's misdated. And I, you know, that's kind of interesting. So 1868, Hawaii is actually 16 years before 1884, which is where they end up, which also happens to be Nix's age. Mm-hmm. I and, believe uh, she was born in 1868. Yeah, she, yeah, she yeah. was. Obviously, she was born in 1868. Right. But because of their time traveling, like, it doesn't, it's been 16 years since her birth, but that doesn't necessarily mean they had to end up in 1884 Hawaii. They just did because the map that they had said it was 1868 on it, but it was really um, 1884 drawn in 1884. So that's where they ended up. And um, I think it's important that we actually spend some time giving some historical context to this book. Because even though that this book is mainly science fiction and fantasy, it does have some historical elements in it. Right, so the book kind of weaves 
reality, like what was really happening in Hawaii in 1884, with the myth and the fantasy of the book. Which is very interesting and cool how she does it. Yeah, so it's, like I said, even though it's a, a science fiction fantasy book, you can also consider it an historical fiction book. And I wanted to read this for my school because we had to read a book, but she wouldn't let us because it wasn't technically historical fiction. The book had to be either historical fiction or a classic, I believe. Oh, yeah. Uh, I can see why your teacher would, would not want to consider this historical fiction. Although, you know, like I said, I think there are some, there are enough historical elements in it. And the tagline for the book is, she is myth, she is history, she is gone. So the history part is important. And so um, just to kind of give the book some context, in 1884, December 1st, there was an event in Honolulu where 50 pirates ransacked the city. They looted the treasury and homes of the wealthy without firing a single shot. And this event actually takes place in the book, although obviously a little bit differently than the way it happened in real life. Yeah. But uh, the pirates end up being the crew of The Temptation. So Nix and her father and a couple of the other crew members. And they end up... The reason why they have to do this is for a map of 1868. Right, because they're trying to get back to 1868. That's the purpose of the whole book. And Nix's father will do anything to get back to that time, including perpetrating this huge theft. And so <clears throat> he knows of this map, but this group called the Hawaiian League has it. And the price to for Nix's father in order to get it is $9 million. But the catch is it has to be from the Hawaiian, the Kingdom of Hawaii's treasure, treasury. Right. Right. So you mentioned the Hawaiian League, and they play an important part of the book. And they also are a real organization. They're a, an organization that helped overthrow the Kingdom of Hawaii. And which, that's their main goal was to weaken the Kingdom of Hawaii, so that way... Yeah, it would lead to the annexation to the United States. Mm -hmm. So those uh, are two really important historical facts that are real, <laughs> that kind of take place in this book. Yeah. Like, different versions, obviously, but, like... Well, not except for the Hawaiian League, because the Hawaiian League was real, but... The December 1st, 1884 uh, ransacking was actually a real event that didn't wasn't actually the same, but similar. Right, so I think that event, there aren't too many details about it. No. So Heidi used that kind of lack of information to create her own um, sequence of her, yeah, her own version. That's a good word. Her own version of what happened. And so it's the crew of the temptation. They use terracotta warriors from Emperor Chin's tomb to basically uh, take over the city without actually having to fire a shot. So that's pretty. It was pretty interesting. And then so Emperor Chin's tomb is real. 
I knew that. You didn't, though. I didn't know that. And I think at the time that this book takes place, they're not certain it's real either. Like, I think for them, it might be like a myth. When, do you know when the tomb was discovered in real life? No, it didn't. I didn't know. I knew that it was real because I studied it in history, but I didn't know. Yeah. When it was yeah, discovered. Yeah, I had never heard of it. So in the... I've heard of it just because I went it in history last year. So in the book, they, they talk about Emperor Chin's tomb and how it's like this necropolis, uh, yeah. essentially. And so it has a thousand or over a thousand terracotta warriors protecting Emperor Chin's body. Yeah. And... It's a version, so it has mercury for rivers and seas, and it's a basically a what would you call it? I don't know what you would call it. It's like a model. It's a model of time, like when so. You it's died. like oh, right. So it's um a scale model of uh what city? Beijing. Or whatever city that basically uh, Emperor Chin is from. I don't I don't know yeah. what the name of that city is. And but it's so, like this really small version of the city that's been recreated to form his, his mausoleum, really his resting place. Mm-hmm. And he's protected, in quotes, by these terracotta warriors. Um, and- with <clears throat> mercury rivers and mercury rivers and seas. And they actually sail there to obtain... Right, so the terracotta warriors. So Nyx obtains a map of the tomb. She uses the map to navigate to the tomb so that they can awaken the terracotta warriors and take them with them back to Hawaii to help them steal the money from the treasury. That's <laughs> pretty crazy, huh? It's very crazy, and so they use it as like the night warriors. They they use the terracotta warriors. At, to pretend to be these night warriors, which are rumored to be, I don't exactly, like. Well, I think the way that the myth, they describe the myth is that there's ho- this Hawaiian myth where these warriors. Um, Huakai, Huakai Po. Right. They, they travel through the city at night. And if you look at them, they steal your soul. So whenever, um, I guess there's like maybe a conch shell and some torches if you hear the shell and the the stampede of the warriors you you need to keep your eyes down and basically bow Mm -hmm. not make eye contact with them otherwise they'll steal your soul and so they use the terracotta warriors to act as the night warriors and so that way everyone will be really scared and like yeah. <laughs> Which is how they're able to take over the city and, and steal the treasure from uh, the treasury because everyone's afraid of these terracotta warriors. Even though they're not actually. Right. So that kind of gives, hopefully gives a little bit of historical context and brings some of like what the fantasy and the mythology of this book brings. It's pretty, it's, it's pretty interesting, interesting the way they, yeah, the way they weave together, um, the way Heilig weaves together those two things. I wanted to read this book. Kalia, because our protagonist is Chinese. Mm-hmm. And we haven't read too many books where the protagonist is Chinese. So I'm curious to know, like, what did you think of Nyx? The type of 
I guess girl, the girl that she is, the girl that she's becoming. Um, did you like her as a character? I actually really did like her as a character. Yeah. Just because she's so strong and <clears throat> fierce <laughs> in a way, and she's so smart. Like she's the one who comes up with a lot of the plans on how to do stuff. She's the actual genius, I guess. Right. Well, she's kind of grown up in this world of navigating, navigating. and her father has come to rely on her to find the maps to determine if the maps will work uh, basically to validate each excursion that they go on it's important that they know about the time period that they're going to because they have to pretend that they're from that time period mm -hmm. so nix is pretty much the lead researcher to learn about all that stuff so that way that they're, they're prepared when they get there and that's, like, she's so smart and intelligent that she can come up with a ton of different plans to fulfill what they're trying to do. But what one question that I have is, if Nyx knows that she could possibly be erased out of, ex out of entire existence, why would she help her father to get back to that time period if she knows that she could possibly die? Well, I think that's the struggle, right? Like, she wants to help her father. She loves her father. But um, she's kind of, I think, questioning her place in her father's life. They don't ever speak about the fact that she might be erased from existence if they go back to that time. She never has that conversation with her father. And so she understands that it's a possibility. But they never really mention whether or not her father understands that it's a possibility. Her father is really just focused on getting back to Lynn, getting back the love of his life. So I think he's a bit blinded. He's a bit short-sighted. He doesn't consider the full ramifications of those actions. Like, But we also learn later in the book that <clears throat> um, they, can't, they can't go back there. The reason why all of the maps won't work is because Nyx is on board with them. Right. A limitation of navigation is that you can't go back to a time that you already exist. And since Nyx already, even though Slate doesn't exist there, Nyx does exist there. Right. And so they can never go back there because she already exists there. Right. That, you know, it's a, it's a complicated situation. Um, I think for, for myself... Nyx was an interesting protagonist. There are parts of her character that I did like. Much like you mentioned, she's extremely smart and resourceful. Um, I didn't like other parts of her character. Um, Which are? Like her... I think, I think maybe my issue is that she's 16. What? So, Why would that be an issue? Because I think a lot of the, the indecision that she has the uncertainty comes from her inexperience, her immaturity, pretty much her, her youth. And that kind of bothered me. I was like, why are you... She's kind of two-faced a little bit, the way she treats another character called Blake. Um, how is she two-faced? Well, I don't think she, she... She doesn't know how she feels about Blake. And Blake very obviously cares about her. And she takes advantage of that a little bit, knowing that she doesn't... She doesn't know if she, she can return those feelings. 
yet she still kind of takes advantage of it. She doesn't know how she feels about Kashmir, who's another important character in the book. Well, they are very good friends. I think that's what they they come to. They accept that there will be friends, but there's a little bit of romantic tension between them throughout the entire book. That is true. Like, it's kind of a love triangle between Oh, I can't talk. Nyx, Blake, and Kashmir. And I think that type of... Blake and Kashmir hate each other. <laughs> I think that type of triangle could have been avoided had Nyx been Up front. older. Oh, you know? older. Yeah, I think an, a more mature person would have handled that situation a little bit differently, which is why, like I said, the things that bother me about her character can really be explained by her youth. But just because... But I mean... It's not really a fault, you know, like I said, I mean, she's just young, and I think Heidi Heilig, that's that's how she wrote the character, so that other young readers can kind of... Relate to her? Relate, and, and, you know, that's the stage of your life that you're in, right? You're 16, but, you know, you you think you might have feelings for a boy, you're not sure how you feel about one boy, and then you meet a new boy. It's like, you know, there's a lot of questions that that go on... uh, I think, in the internal monologue of a 16-year-old girl. <laughs> so, you know, I, like I said, those, those things, I mean, sure, they, they bothered me a little bit as a reader, but I think that's because I'm older. I mean, that didn't you bother know. me at all because I'm, she's older than me. Right. And, I mean, it, she's at the point where, like, she feels like she's mature. I feel like she put, she's put in a lot of pressure. Because her father relies on her so much. Yeah, and I, I, the way the book ends, I think it ends in a good place between them, right? Where um, I think Nick's kind of harbors a grudge for her father throughout the whole book. Mm-hmm. And in the end, Slate really shows how much he loves her. Because he never really actually said, I love you. Yeah, I think, and, and she had a hard hard time believing that Slate actually cared about her or was I think she was you know trying to decide between does Slate really care about me or is he just using me as means to an end and by the end of the book we learn that Slate no he he really does care about her and he ends up giving up um giving up the ghost really giving up hope of finding a a way back to Lynn I think by the end of the book which like, you've worked for that for 16 years. That's a lot of time and effort put into that, which I think that's a very hard decision because you've put in so much effort to try and get back to that, but then just giving it all up was probably a hard decision for him. I'm sure it was. So who was your favorite character in the book? I think Blake, actually. Okay, so t- we haven't really talked about Blake. Tell us about yeah. Blake. And why he's your favorite. I guess because Blake is very artistic. And he, like, he can memorize a lot of stuff. Like, he memorized a whole island for him to scale and draw. And -hmm. it's really cool. And I think one of the reasons why I liked him the most was because he showed another part like another way of life to Nyx and that it doesn't always have to be just on the ship and sailing, but you can also be stable 
and not always like, wah. <laughs> yeah, I think they call that settling down. Yeah, like, she doesn't always have to be on the road, like, because they were there for a long time, and they, they're, they're not usually in a place for too long. Right. And since they're there for that long of time, I think she's considering about staying there. Yeah, she starts to really fall in love, I think, with the country, mm -hmm. the island, and Blake. And that's one of the reasons why, is because she's always been exposed to unstableness, I guess. How would you say that? Say It's not instability, it's just, um, you know, life on the road. I think you mentioned that phrase before. That's true. And so she's used to life on the road. Well, I guess in this case, life on the seas. <laughs> and Blake represents groundedness, staying in one place. And she never really had that. Right. And so that's, I think, the reason why I like him is because he showed her another way of life. And that she doesn't always have to be on the road. She can be stable, but still have that adventure aspect. Yeah. Okay. Who was your favorite character? I think my favorite character was Kashmir. <laughs> he's just the a thief. smooth, yeah, he's a smooth, swashbuckling sailor. <laughs> um, he seems to be extremely resourceful. We didn't really talk about Kashmir either. All right, so Kashmir is another member of the Temptations crew. Um, I think they don't really exactly say where he's from, but he's from They did. They say that He's from technically a mythical land of, <clears throat> I believe, maybe Arabia? Somewhere in the Middle East. Right. But his character, to me, I mean, like I said, he just he just seems like this smooth guy, suave. <laughs> um, they don't really say how old he is. No. But, um... The only real person that they said the age was of was Nyx. Yeah. But I just like, you know, he he's always got a, a smug look on his face. Just the the right the right words to say. Uh, he speaks of many different languages. He has many different skills. And Some might not seems, necessarily be the best. And he seems like he has a good time, enjoys himself. Yeah, I mean, he's not he's not opposed to stealing a few things, and I kind of dislike that aspect of his character. But other than that, he seems like a swell guy. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, he seems like a swell guy. Yeah. Okay. Um, what would you change in the book? I don't know if I would change anything. I, I think it's a, overall a pretty well-written story. It's tough for me to think in terms of like what would make the story better. I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe if we read the sequel, then we'll have a better full understanding of the, the world and all of the aspects of it. But I, I don't know. I don't think I would change anything. What was your favorite and least favorite aspects of the story? I think I talked about my least favorite already. Like I said, some of the... Immaturity? Yeah, the the way that the, uh, like I said, the love triangle is treated. I'm, I'm not... I think it's an important to... It's an important aspect of Nix's character development, but I prefer books where that's not needed. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, but what was your favorite? 
Um, well, you know me, I like, I like Time the science travel. fiction of it. Yeah, the the science fiction of it. I I wish they would have gone a bit deeper, deeper into how that works, the mechanics of it, um, why Nix is able to do it, why her dad is able to do it. I wish they would have done more of it. I think they only use it three times in the whole book. I wish they would have done it more, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I think it was a really good book, in my opinion. It was hard for me to, like, I was able to start it, and then it got slower. And then after a while, it was easier to read. Yeah, in the middle of the book where they're setting up pretty much the heist, because that's what it comes down to. It's a heist at the end of the book. That whole part where they're setting up the heist does drag on a bit. And it's just like, why? And, they, and they're like using, read this. They're using that time to fill in a little bit of history about Hawaii, a little backstory about Slate, and the time period that Nix is from, which is 1868 Hawaii, and a little bit about some of the other characters that they happen to meet on the island. So it And then, you know, they kind of... She uses Hawaii as a pretty interesting setting. And through Blake's eyes, we see Hawaii as like an, another character in the book. Right? Because he takes Nick's on this tour of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All, that whole, but that whole section of the book is a little bit of a slow read. So, did you enjoy the book? Because I said that I did. But did you? I did. I didn't enjoy it as much as I'd hoped. I'll say that. Really? I thought I was going to like it a lot more. Um, but like you said, that part that drags on in the middle of the book and the, um, I guess they didn't, because there's a sequel, it doesn't really wrap up neatly. Mm-hmm. It wraps up, but we know that there's more to these characters and more to this story that we, you just have to read in the next installment. Yeah. And um, I was hoping for a little bit more resolution. I don't know. It, to me, overall, like, it's a middle-of-the-road book for me. It's it's not great. It's not bad. I enjoyed it, but it could have been better. A lot of books are like that, though. Like, there isn't a perfect book. That's true. That's true. Like, nothing is perfect in this world. Nothing. So, would you recommend this book to others? I don't know. Because I kind of want to keep when it all to myself. Oh, uh-huh. I think when you say, I don't know, it's, I think you would have to find a, a pretty specific person to recommend yeah. this book to. You can't just, like, it can't just be a general recommendation where, oh, you're interested in reading and you like young adults? Well, here, read this book. I think. No, like, I kind of want to, like, keep it all to myself so that way no one else knows about this book. Oh, you shouldn't be like that with books. <laughs> I'm sorry. You should spread the wealth, spread the love. I mean, books. I know. But I mean, that's the like, whole point of our podcast is to spread our love for books and reading. But I mean, like some books, you just don't like. You don't want any like. You don't want it to be blown up and get tired of it. Like you know how sometimes like you find songs or like big trends, or like you find it before it blows up and then it like gets really big and like everyone's reading it and then it gets really boring and i kind of don't want that with this book because i feel like if that does happen then i won't enjoy it as much as i did i think that's when it comes to like music and television things can get played out but with books because it's not like you can read a book in five minutes 
you know, it takes time to read a book. So it it's for me, it's more difficult for a book to get played out. That's true. Like for me, it's like if if more people are reading the book, that's more people I can talk about it with. More people I can have conversations and discussions and maybe learn something about the book from them that I didn't pick up on my reading of it. So I, for me, I don't mind if a book gets blown up. Like, you know, this book is obviously not as popular as Harry Potter is. But, obviously. you know, for a book to get as large as Harry Potter, I don't mind, you know. I was never a big Harry Potter fan. Um, Sorry, Harry Potter fans out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'll say this. I, I didn't read the books until much later. I read, I, I watched the movies, they're, and they're cool. Um but I never felt like, oh, man, this the whole Harry Potter thing is getting played out. Maybe because they did like eight books and a whole bunch of movies. And there's a lot of Harry Potter material. But I don't feel like there's too much. You know, it's just more like if you want to get into it, that's that's more to get into. That's true. So if you're really into this book, then you should be happy to know there's a sequel. <laughs> I want to read the sequel, actually. Yeah. When I I didn't know that there was a sequel, but then when I found out that there was a sequel, actually just today, I was like, now I want to read that one, because I want to see what happens next. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, so I think that's gonna wrap up our discussion on the girl from everywhere. But who would? Oh, but you said that like you wouldn't recommend it to anyone, and like a whole general. Yeah, it's tough. I don't. There's nobody that I can think of off the top of my head where I would recommend this book to. Um, maybe, to... well, like from the from the position that we that I I came from in terms of reading the book in the first place because I wanted to read a book that had an Asian mm-hmm. protagonist, and so maybe I would recommend this book to other girls. Like, you know, we have a couple of cousins who are around this age. Maybe mm-hmm. I would recommend the book for them because mm-hmm. they might identify with Nick's. But it also depends on like what type of books they like to read, if they like these types of books. Because just because it might have that type of aspect, because it has that, doesn't necessarily mean that they'll like it. I think I would encourage them to I'd read it anyway them. because there aren't too many books that are written from that perspective. So I'd encourage them, but they might not necessarily like it. Oh, no, of course. You never know if someone's going to like a book when you recommend it to them. But I think even if someone says, oh, I don't really like fantasy, I think I would still recommend the book to them. I don't know anyone who doesn't like fantasy. I mean, like, you are okay with fantasy. Like, you'll read it, but it's not, like, your favorite. Uh, Well, I mean, I actually read a lot of fantasy, so I I don't know if I would say it isn't isn't my favorite. It's There are a lot of aspects of, of fantasy that I enjoy, so... So yeah, like I said, I think that's going to wrap up our discussion on The Girl From Everywhere. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Um, We did. We enjoyed reading the book. We've enjoyed talking about it. Yeah. So our next book of the year will be The Book Thief by Marcus Zusak. And this book... It's 500 pages. Oh, it's a long book. So (laughs) We'll take a while to read this one. Yeah, well, I guess we have to warn you that we may not get to recording another episode. Of or, books. All right, of the, for of an, the book thief for a while. Yeah, it might, it might take a month before we get get back to this book. Because I'm on a deadline. I have to finish this, this book soon. Right. But um, we look forward to reading it. It's a very well-received book. They even made a movie about it. They did? 
Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I've so. heard of it, but I've never read it until now. So and a lot I, I of think people this are one actually is, reading this at my school. I think this one's it's quickly becoming a classic. So um, like I said, we look forward to reading it. Make sure you go to your local library. Support your library by checking this book out. Or if you just want to own a copy, go ahead and you know go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or wherever you purchase your books purchase from. Books. Just read. Just get the book some way, somehow. Um, read it and then come back and join our discussion when we talk about The Book Thief by Marcus Dusak. If you've enjoyed this discussion on The Girl From Everywhere, make sure you check out our other episodes. Yes. Go to fatherdaughterbookclub.com. You can find all of our previous episodes there. You can also subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss future episodes. We you can't can... promise that our next episode is going to be released on exactly this date. So make sure you subscribe so that you don't miss the next episode. And also, don't forget to... Give us some recommendations for books that you love to read so that way we can talk about them and give you our feedback. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you have any feedback on this episode or any previous episode, go ahead and leave a comment. Uh, if you like, as Clea said, if you have a recommendation for the next book we should read, we'd love to hear from you as well. So you can do all of that at fatherdaughterbookclub.com. Or just subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. <laughs> That's right. So thank you. And we'll, we'll see you next. We'll not see you, but we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Doom, 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 doom.